So good. Thank you, Rachel. I wanted Rachel to laugh out loud, and she didn't. So now I'm going to ask you all. This is off script, so this might not go well. But Sarah laughed. How do you think she laughed when she laughed behind the tent, hearing once again this message that she and Abraham will have a child, and of course that that child will become part of the nation of God's people. So now you've had a time to think about that. How did she laugh? I'd like to hear it. Ready? On three. One, two, three. Okay, I think I heard in that the deeper thing that happens sometimes in laughter, right? Laughter is an expression, but it's, it's rooted somewhere deep inside, and you can't control it. It just comes out sometimes, right? This laugh. And it is deep inside is the source. And maybe you've experienced this deep inside source of laughter in your own life. But I heard some of you um, laugh um, with disbelief. You're like, Sarah was thinking, no, I, I am now old and this is done. No way. Disbelief laugh. But some of you also, I heard, joy laugh. That you're like, yes, finally, we've been waiting on the promise that God gave. We've been waiting, and it's coming, and now it's here. We finally have a timeline before the year ends, and it's a joyful laugh. But I also heard some of you laugh, um, I think if I heard correctly, a laugh of self-protection and a little bit of, like, I'm just going to keep a little bit away from that because it hurts to think about that. Do you know that kind of laugh that comes up? Or maybe even the laugh of unease or dis-ease or uncomfortable. You know, that anxious, like, covering over, I'm uncomfortable laugh. So as you're thinking about Sarah behind the tent wall, and she laughed, how did she laugh? And you can think about your own experience of those kinds of laughs, when you hear something and a laugh comes out. Well, in this story, this is chapter 18 of Genesis, but in this story, Sarah's not the only one laughing because Abraham is also laughing. If you just turn the page over to chapter 17, Abraham also laughs. And chapter 17 is coming after several other chapters because way back in chapter 12, God gave this promise to Abraham and Abram and his wife Sarai, that they would have a child and that child and their family would grow to become a great nation that would be God's people that would bless the whole world. So in 12, they get this promise and now they're waiting on it, right? And in 15, chapter 15, they, God again reiterates the promise. You, this will happen. You will be the father of nation. And then again in 17, comes again and says, okay, this is it. And this is kind of a side note, but this is where circumcision gets introduced and then um, begins, and then our chapter 18. Sitting under the tree, Abraham perhaps is just recovering. So put that into the story of what's happening. But all this time, and it says in chapter 17 that Abraham is 99 years old. And here God comes once again to reaffirm this promise, and Abraham laughed. And all this, this laughing makes me wonder about our word for the day or our phrase for the day, which is progressive revelation. This human need, perhaps, that we have for progressive revelation. 
and also this thing that God did in giving us progressive revelation. Now, revelation, of course, is God making himself known to us. I mean, this is God who is in heaven, far off, invisible to our eyes, but God making himself known to us. And then progressive is that God did not just give us everything all at once. Boom, here's the deal. But instead, God gave little bits and pieces. It progressed, it grew, it expanded so that we learned more and more about God through history and time. But also in our own experience, I think it applies, progressive revelation where we experience something from God and it's a building block and we grow from that. So God didn't give his entire plan to humanity right away, but instead gave it in parts and pieces. And here in this story, we have Abraham and Sarah who had this promise given years ago, and now they've been waiting. They've been waiting. They've been believing and hoping, wanting, but they don't yet know the end of the story. Of course, we look back and know the end of the story, but they're in the waiting period in the story we are reading today. So a piece of progressive revelation is that it takes time for God to sink into us and to get into us and to influence us. In Isaiah chapter 55, God said this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Right? So we're trying to grasp God as he's revealing himself to us, but we have a hard time taking in all of God. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Remember that untranslatable word, kenosis, which is the idea that Jesus emptied himself of his glory in heaven and came to earth in humble human form. And when we think about that word kenosis and that event, we respond, huh? How, I don't know how that works. I can't even begin to grasp what that means. We are trying to take in something that is happening in the heavenlies and bringing it into our lives and our experience. And it takes some time for that to settle in, to sink in. And so God has been progressively revealing himself in the story of Genesis, little bit by little bit, with some starts and some stops, gently trying to give divine understanding to these people. Well, progressive revelation is God making this promise to Abraham and Sarah, and now they're waiting. And in that waiting time, there's, there's work happening. There's something happening in them. I'm sure that in this time, there's, there's an, a letting go of what their interpretation of God's promise was. I can just imagine Abraham and Sarah's conversations of, trying to understand and figure out what did God say? You know, what, what did he say? Did he ever say a specific time? Like they were trying to understand and interpret, and it, they had to let go of their own thoughts about that. They also had to, in this time, let go of their own efforts to make this happen. How they could help God make this happen. They had to let go of their efforts, and they had to learn to wait and be patient and wait on God, for God to act. 
And this is the very unique intrigue of progressive revelation. I mean, think about progressive revelation where God made a promise and now you're waiting for it to happen. You don't know if it's going to happen. That, that stirs up something in us in the waiting and it moves us beyond our own selves to try to begin to understand God. And specifically, there's huge intrigue in the fact that they couldn't do what God wanted the plan to be, right? They couldn't make it happen. Sarah was not able to have a child. So all her life, she never had a child, couldn't naturally make it happen. And now that time has passed. And here's the intrigue of progressive revelation. They're like, well, God, I guess that promise didn't work because I can't have kids anymore. But what happens in progressive revelation? God says, exactly. It's not about you doing something. It's all about me doing a miracle here, about me proving that I am God to you. So because in progressive revelation, I gave a promise, and there's a waiting time, and now there's fulfillment. God comes through, and it's this huge building block that we have put our faith into that God showed up for Sarah and Abraham And on that building block, I too can build my faith that God will follow through. So how did Sarah and Abraham laugh in 17 and 18 of chapters Genesis? Perhaps they they laughed with that aha moment of, oh, yes, now I get it. All these years I thought all these things, but now I get it. And they just laugh with joy for their knowing. Well, progressive revelation, our word for the day, is this name for what God did slowly to reveal himself to people through history. But I like to think that also progressive revelation is happening in each of our lives. Each of our lives' development, that as we go through our years, we are building upon our experiences of God. We're gaining things from God, and it's growing and expanding. In order to put this in human context, I want you to consider the idea of progressive invention. Progressive invention. Now, we're going to talk about my grandpa because it's Father's Day. But before we get to him, I wonder why in history did Alexander Graham Bell not invent the smartphone? (laughs) I mean, he could have skipped the landline entirely and went right to the smartphone. Why didn't he? Well, it's the same reason my grandpa, who was a cranberry grower, who was born in 1911, and my grandpa um, grew up in a cranberry marsh, and his dad was a cranberry grower, and his grandpa. So he grew up on a cranberry marsh where all cranberries were harvested fresh by hand and packaged and sold. And you'd harvest them with these rakes, and you'd swing it through the, the vines and get the cranberries. And then they were processed, dried, and put in these boxes, which is called a quarter barrel. So this is a quarter barrel. Four of them makes how much? One barrel. Smart group today. Just that's how much. I don't know what a barrel is. That's like asking, like, why why is a pound a pound? I don't know why this is a quarter barrel. It's just a measure of cranberry fruit. So these, they would put them in here, fresh fruit, sell it. That's what they did. And my grandpa and his friend Bob Case, they invented a motorized 
harvesting machine called the case picker. Now, they were still living in the fresh fruit world, right? Harvesting cranberries, putting them in boxes, selling fresh fruit. Why didn't my grandpa invent the method of cranberry harvesting that is used today? Same thing as Alexander Graham Bell. Because so many things had to come in play. Particularly, canned cranberries had to be invented. <laughs> they had to harvest fresh fruit because that's all they could do back then. They had to be fresh and they had to gently handle them because if you bruise the cranberry, you know, over time it would rot. So they had to gently harvest them. So they created this gentle harvester. But when the can of cranberry was invented, they could move to a different way of harvesting cranberries. Because now they could bump them and bruise them because they're just going to smash them up and put them in a can anyway. <laughs> right? So when you think about progressive invention, we don't take often these huge leaps. Right? Sometimes there's a huge leap. But often it's a progressive move to the next thing. And then one, one thing is invented, so then another thing can expand. So for my grandpa, he used an engine to create his machine, but they didn't have engines yet developed that they use today. Nor did they back then have, you know, remember Gates Rubber here in the neighborhood? Gates Rubber had not yet invented tires for tractors big enough and correct enough that when they drive in the bed, they don't crush the cranberries. Like, they needed to invent rubber tires to get to the new way. Like, there's so many parts and pieces. And when you think about your faith and your knowing God, infinitesimally more parts and pieces coming from God for you to know, to build on, and to grow and expand. And so here we have Sarah and Abraham laughing. Right? They are laughing. And Sarah is there hiding behind the door of the tent. And she laughs, and God says to her, well, why did Sarah laugh? Is there anything too hard for God? That's the best question. That's the best progressive revelation question. Is there anything too hard for God? And then the reminder, in a year, you will have a child. Once again, I'm reiterating, this is going to happen. So this question, you know, questions are good because they don't put you in a box and lock you down. Instead, a question, like, helps you enter into the question. Because God was not scolding Sarah. I mean, she denied it, and then Rachel so well read that, yes, yes, you did laugh, even though you're denying it. Why are you denying it? Own it. Think about what's going on inside of you, Sarah. But this question is asked instead of a big statement. It says, is anything too hard for the Lord? And Sarah's mind has to open up to take that in. And perhaps for us in this progressive revelation of understanding, in that moment, Sarah, when he says, oh, why are you laughing? Is anything too hard for God? Her honest answer is, I don't know. I mean, I haven't experienced everything to know. Is God good for everything? Is there a limit? What's the deal? I haven't experienced that yet. And that's us, right? We live in this world where we have to take in some information, some knowledge and ideas, and then we have to grow into it. We have to build our own process of relationship with God, where we build these building blocks of understanding and knowing and experiencing God. 
not just an idea of, oh, yep, God can do anything, belief statement, but bringing it down into our souls where we believe truly, yes, God, you can do anything. An example, perhaps, for our progressive revelation. Jesus said in John chapter 15, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now abide in my love. Right? No one laughed. That's good. But if you hear that, what laughter would come out from deep within you? Right? God loves you. You you hear this. God loves you. Abide in my love. Could be the first laughter of joy of being loved by God, and it is amazing. And that feeling just wells up and fills you. But it also could be the, joy, the, the laughter of disbelief rising up, where you're like, what? God loves me? Haven't experienced it. Or maybe it's the cliche laughter bubbling up, the cliche of, oh, yeah, 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 God loves everybody. Yep, got it, everybody. It's not specific to me, though. Or maybe the disappointment laughter that's trying to push the anxiety to the side, that's like, oh, yeah, God loves me, but what about fill in the blank in your own life? Right? These are our own process of knowing God and experiencing God that God has put out there that God loves us, and now what do we do with it? How do we take it in? And like Sarah, there are times in our lives when there's waiting, and it's living on faith, living on belief. And then there are other times when God shows up and affirms the truth of what he has said. Well, this morning, as you hear this phrase, progressive revelation, you think about it for Sarah and how she experienced it in an unfolding way over many years. Where do you put yourself in progressive revelation in your life right now? I mean, what have you learned and you're functioning from and you've experienced in God? What do you need from God to take the next step to move forward? I hope to put this question in your mind and hold it together with whatever question you have. Because if we have this question, is anything too hard for the Lord? And we just hold that question. It's a progressive revelation opportunity for God to show up in our life. Because if we take the other path of, is anything too hard for the Lord? Well, maybe, I don't know. So I'm going to have to do it all by myself. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to work hard. I I just got to take care of it. That's different than holding the question, God, I'm waiting for you. Is anything too hard for you? I'm waiting. And so maybe, as you're holding your question of life, whatever that may be, how to put that, those two questions together. Like, you're in school and you're just like, can I finish this degree? It is hard and yucky and I don't even know if I'll even get a job. And AI is ruining everything. How do you hold that together with, is anything too hard for the Lord? Or maybe, you know, you're asking this question, will the doctor appointments ever end? Will I ever be well? You're holding that question together with, 
Is anything too hard for the Lord? And you're bringing yourself in a trusting, believing way to God, for God to show up. Or, it's a good one in our world these days, how do I show up in my job with integrity when it's just, there's just lying and deceit and bamboozling happening here and there and everywhere, and I don't want to be a part of it, but to be a part of this job, what do I do? How do I do this job? And you hold that big question together with, is anything too hard for the Lord? So you take whatever question you have and whatever thing in life that you're going through in this moment, and you bring it together with that question, is anything too hard for the Lord? And you hold that with God, and you say, God, I am here, and I am waiting on you. And that's that's us putting our trust in God, our belief in God, taking a faith step toward God. And hopefully, God shows up and encounters us right where we are at and gives us exactly what we need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are glad to come into your presence and know, at least in our minds, that you can do anything. And now, God, I pray that you bring that down into our experience that you move it into us, not just theoretical distant belief, but personal and real, knowing you and trusting you and seeing how you are a part of our lives and a part of our days and intimate with us in that. So we pray for your grace to unfold your plan in a progressive way that we may know you more and live in this life more honoring to you. Praise in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.